All right, TLR, how are we feeling tonight? Everybody feeling good? Okay, cool. We feeling all right tonight? You guys made it out in the gloomy weather. I love it. Um, which, by the way, Joseph and Mitch are just like, like, they just make it happen up here. I just sit up here and boom, boom, boom. They're making things happen. Can we just give it up for them? Like, they work hard behind the scenes. Um, and hey, as Beth said, um, tonight we're starting a new series called The Naturals. And that's what we do here at The Living Room. We preach in series, which if you were like, what does that mean? Um, we pick a topic to talk about. And usually we talk about it for two, three, four, sometimes even five weeks, just depending on how much we feel like there is to say about that certain topic. And then once we feel like we've said everything there is to say, then we kind of move on to a new topic. So we were in this series the past four weeks here at The Living Room called Home, where we were talking about how this place, The Living Room, here at Buckhead Church. This place can be a home away from home for you. That's what it's designed to be. And again, if you missed any of those messages, feel free to go back on our podcast and catch up. And tonight we start a new series called The Naturals. And I'm super, super pumped for it. The Naturals. It was a few years ago for me, quite a few years ago, actually, um, when I was in middle school. I was in sixth grade and I'll never forget it. Uh, I played basketball all all growing up, all the way through high school. That was my sport, um, still is to this day. I'm not saying I'm like a baller, but it's my favorite sport. And, And so I'm playing in middle school. And in middle school, I was a solid... I'm gonna give myself some credit. You know how when they list the rosters, you're always like two or three inches taller and about 40 pounds heavier. So let's just say I was like 5'10", 160, buck 60. I'll give me that. You're like, bro, you're not even 5'10". Now I know, again, take off a few inches. I was like 5'6", 130, if I'm being honest. Um, But anyways, I was uh, was the PG. Like I had some handles, the point guard, you know, like I could cross some people over and be like, oh, you know, whatever, it's no big deal. And um, so we're playing. I was on a team called the St. Louis Celtics. That's right, I'm from St. Louis, um, which by the way, if we've never met, my name's Matt, um, just I'll throw that out there. It's a little bit late for the introduction, but whatever. Um, and so I'm on this team, St. Louis Celtics, and we were a solid team. Like if we played bad teams, we'd beat them. If we played good teams, we'd be competitive. If we played really good teams, like we'd probably get whooped. Um, but we always did pretty, pretty solid. Like we were always, you know, had an above 500 record, meaning we won more games than we would lose. Um, but every year there was this team on our, on our schedule called Seven Holy Founders. And Seven Holy Founders was like next level good. I mean, it was to the point where after sixth grade, I'm like, okay, this isn't even fun. Like we'd play them and it'd be halftime. We'd be down like 30 or 40 points at halftime. When the second half started, it would be a running clock the entire second half. We'd usually lose by like 50 or 60, but they could have beat us by whatever they wanted to beat us by. Like if they, if they wanted to, like they could have beat us probably by 150 points, no joke. So it got to the point in seventh grade where like I didn't even want to play when we played Seven Holy Founders. In fact, my dad was the coach and I'd be like, hey, dad, uh, last night when I was walking to bed, I sprained my ankle. I don't think I can play today. And he's like, you're fine. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You called me out on that. Uh, well, I don't feel really good, dad. Like the breakfast this morning, just, you know, I, it's not settling well. And he's like, son, you're fine. Get out. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like it was to that point. Like I did not want to play against Seven Holy Founders. They were that good. And it was that embarrassing. But then eighth grade rolled around. And we did some recruiting, like the Celtics hit the recruiting circuit a little bit going into eighth grade. And we picked up a couple players, but one guy in particular by the name of Johnny. And Johnny was no normal eighth grader. Johnny was six foot three in the eighth grade, okay? Johnny was a grown man. Like this dude had chest hair. He had armpit hair. I'm pretty sure he had a full grown beard. I don't, maybe not, but that's how I remember it. Like Johnny was grown, okay? And Johnny wasn't just grown, like Johnny could ball. I mean, he stepped on the floor and we're just like, what are you doing out here with us? Like, this is a joke. And so we were like dominant this season. I mean, we're killing everybody. And so seven Holy Founders game rolls around 
And now I'm feeling a little bit confident. I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be different. You know, I'm like, Johnny, you're gonna be there, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm there. So we walk into the gym and of course, Seven Holy Founders, like they're walking in with their swag, you know, feeling good. And they're like, hey, and they should be cocky. Like they've beat us by 50 every time we've played. And I walk in and I'm like, well, it's, it's a new year. Like this is a new time, you know, new season, new us. And, um, and I'm like, and they're looking over. I could tell some of their guys are talking and they're like, who, who is that? Is that your coach? I'm like, no, that's Johnny. And he's in eighth grade. <laughs> I think he's in eighth grade, I'm not sure, but we're, it, it says it on his birth certificate. So it's Johnny and they're like, oh goodness gracious. So the game gets started and I'm just gonna fast forward it really quick. Like it was a different story. In fact, Johnny scored 46 points, okay? And he hits the game winner at the buzzer. All right, and we're going crazy every single time down the floor. This was my role as the PG. Bring the ball up the floor. Hey, four, four, four. I don't know what four meant, but what it really meant was, hey, Johnny, here's the ball. Now, what's ISO, isolation? Like, get out of the way. Let Johnny go to work. And it was forever will be like one of my greatest memories in my basketball career. It was the day that Johnny and I combined for 48 points. Now Johnny scored 46 and I think my two points that I had were because they called a foul when I was passing it to Johnny, but they thought I was shooting. So I just went to the line and knocked him down, whatever. But it was amazing. And I, and I, I tell you that story tonight, one, so that you just know that we upset seven holy founders, like that's a big deal, you know? Um, two, I tell you that story tonight because all I can really say when I talk to you about Johnny, yes, he was seven inches taller than every kid on the court in eighth grade, but Johnny was just a natural. Like when it came to playing basketball, he was just a natural. Like it came easy to him. I mean, he would just come down and like, he'd, I don't even know if Johnny practiced. Like he would just come to the games and just boom, boom, just nailing shots like Steph Curry on him. Like he was just a natural. And people that are naturals generally have a natural inclination towards something. They have a natural inclination towards something. You fill in the blank where it just comes easy to them. They're, they're really, really good at it. People that are naturals generally have a natural knack for something. Where like, again, they may not even really have to work at it. Like they're just naturally good at this. They have a knack for this. People who are naturals have a natural ability to do something. People that are naturals are usually naturally inclined toward it. They have a knack for it and they have an ability to do this. And we all know people who are naturals. In fact, here are just some celebrities, some famous people that we know who are all naturals. We can all agree on this. The first one right here, check this out. Yeah, come on. Like, like Bruno Mars is a natural. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you look up the definition of natural in the dictionary, like it's, it's Bruno, you know, like he's a natural. I mean, when he sings, you're just like, oh, my, like this is unreal. Like he is a natural. When he dances, you're like, he reminds me a lot of my pastor Matt, but wow, he's a natural. Like. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, you've never seen me dance. I said, Next week I'll dance, but um, whatever. Bruno's a natural, like when he moves, seriously, you're like, what is, what is going on? Like this is, he's not human. I'll even take it a step further. Bruno Mars, he's just a natural when it comes to like being cool. Like everything he wears, I don't know where the shirt is from. There's spider webs on it. There is like, it looks like cartoons on it. It looks like it's silk maybe, but I want the shirt. Like I wanna wear this shirt. I want this chain. I don't know what that is, but like everything he wears, I'm just like, you're just cool. You're just a natural at being cool. Like Bruno Mars is absolutely a natural. How about this guy right here? Yeah, LeBron. Yeah, yeah, like him or love him. Uh, wait. I just said like him or love him, like him or hate him. LeBron James is a natural. Like, I don't know if you care about basketball or if you follow it, but when LeBron James was going in to his freshman year in high school, so he's like 14, 15 years old, 
they were already saying that he is going to be one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the game. Like when he was a freshman, like LeBron, you watch his game and you're like, wow, he is doing things that no human should be able to do. In fact, this picture right here, you're like, he's probably mad that he didn't dunk hard enough. So he's about to pop the basketball. Like he's like, forget it. I don't wanna play this game anymore. Like this is LeBron and he can do that because he's LeBron and LeBron James is absolutely a natural. How about one more here? Denzel, come on, come on. Like Denzel Washington is a natural on the screens, okay? Like every single role he plays is so believable. Like he'll have you crying one second, then he'll have you rolling on the floor laughing next second, then he'll have you inspired. Like Denzel Washington is incredible. This is my favorite movie of all time, by the way. Remember the Titans? And I'm pretty sure this is when he's looking at Petey Jones and he's like, you think football is fun? And he's like, I think so. He's like, you think it's fun? He's like, no, zero fun, sir. Like Denzel I'm just gonna say this, if there was one person that could narrate my life, like if they could be the narrator of the story of my life, it would be Denzel, okay? Can we just agree on that? Like Denzel is incredible. He's 62 years old. I looked this up last night. Denzel is 62 years old. Yeah, yeah, right? Crazy, crazy, yeah. And he's been in over 53 movies. They didn't even know how many. They just said over 53. That's when you know you're a natural at something. Like Denzel is crazy. I love that man. And we all know people who are naturals. And the truth is every single person in the room tonight is a natural at something. You are, whether you believe it or not, every single room, person in the room is a natural at something. I was thinking about it. What are some things maybe that I'm a natural at? And I'm not a natural at a lot of things, but one thing that came to mind is I really do believe that like I'm a natural when it comes to eating spicy chicken deluxes from Chick-fil-A. Like, <laughs> You know, I just really do believe that's true. Like if you, I wish I could prove it to you tonight. I don't have a spicy deluxe, but if I did, and if I had some Chick-fil-A sauce to mix with barbecue sauce, I would do it and I'd show you and you'd be like, wow, he really is a natural at that. Um, another thing that I think that I'm a natural at is napping. Anybody, can I, can I get an amen? Like, hello. Um, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, you're gonna be seeing me nap for the next 20 minutes, bro. Um, <laughs> But I am, I'm natural at napping. Like seriously, I can sit down and just be like, hey, 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 babe, I'm gonna like talking to my wife, be like, I'm just gonna take like a 20 minute nap. And three hours and 20 minutes later, I'm like, whoa, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a natural at it. <laughs> Maybe you're a natural when it comes to, to playing sports. Like for you, sports just comes really, really easy and you're a natural at it. Maybe you're a natural when it comes to cooking. Like you get in the kitchen and before you know it, you're like, I don't even need a recipe, get out of here. I can just smell things and I know what to put together and I can just make it happen in the kitchen. Like you're a natural when it comes to cooking. Maybe you're a natural when it comes to academics, like math for you. Like you hear equations, you hear numbers and you immediately just think, I'm a natural. We're all naturals at different things, but every single person is a natural at something. And, and I think this is what it really means to be a natural. When you're a natural, you're, you're cut out for something. You're, you're, you're good at something and you're born for something. You're cut out for something, you're good at something and you're born for something. If I could even take it a step further tonight, I think that when you're a natural, it means that you were created for something. You were created for something. And this is what this series, The Naturals is really all about. Because I think that every single person in the room is a natural at something. And in fact, I think that there is one thing that we were all cut out for. I think there's one thing that we're all good at. There's one thing that we're all born for. And I think that there is one thing that we're all created for. This one thing that we're all naturals at, and it's this right here. Humans are naturals 
at worship. Humans are naturals at worship. We're all natural worshipers. And I'm not just talking about worshiping God because I know when we hear the word worship, immediately normally what we think is like, oh yeah, worshiping God, singing songs to him, like what we just did a few minutes ago. I'm not even talking about that. Like that's an act of worship. We'll talk about that more next week. But what I just want us to separate that for a second because I think that it's actually natural for us as humans to wanna give things or people our affection, our adoration, and our attention. Like, I think it's natural for us as humans to, to, to wanna give things or people our affection, our adoration, and our attention. I think this is true. And in fact, I think humans, we're really good. Like, it comes naturally to us for us to be obsessed and consumed with things or are controlled and excited by things. Whether it's a hobby, maybe it's, it's like your job, maybe it's schoolwork, whatever it is that's taking up your thoughts, taking up your attention, or maybe it's sports. Like, let's just use that for an example. Football, college football, how about that? Like, think about it. Some people, a lot of us, we go to games on Saturdays or we've been to games before and you walk in and there are like 75,000 people that are going crazy, okay? And like, what happens when someone on your team scores a touchdown? What do you immediately do? Whoa, like shoot your hands up. And I don't know like if this looks familiar, but like some could say like, it seems like you're worshiping the players on the field. And maybe you're like, well, bro, that's, that's kind of a stretch. Okay, how about when you're in your living room and you're watching the game on TV and it's a really, really big game and your team is down by three points with like 10 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. And maybe this is just me. I don't know if you can relate, but like I will get down on my knees and I'm like, Lord, please, like if you can just help my squad, I promise I'll never again like cuss. I don't know, God, but just help them to, to score this touchdown, please, Lord. Like I hate Alabama, you know, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> sorry if you love Bama, I'm a Clemson fan. But anyways, like we could say, in fact, I, I read an article recently that said people that aren't from our culture that don't understand American sports, they would think that you are worshiping football. They would think that you're worshiping sports. And I'm not hating on that. I'm not saying it's bad to go to games and get pumped up. Like I want you to go to games and get pumped up and get lit. Like I love that. I think that's amazing. But what I'm saying is, is if we're all naturals when it comes to worship, and if all of us know that it's really easy for us to become obsessed and controlled with things and really excited about things, then I think it's worth talking about. What is it that you worship? And is what you worship worthy of it? Because if worship affects the way that we live, if it affects the way that we think, if it affects the way that we talk, if it affects our priorities, if it affects our entire lives, then, then I think you would agree with me. I think I have you convinced at this point that it's worth maybe just leaning into and talking about over the next couple weeks. And that's what this series, The Naturals, is all about because we believe that worship is a response. That at its core, worship is a response. Worship is a response that impacts the way in which we live. So tonight, I wanna look at a story that's found in Acts chapter 17. But before we get there, I wanna give you a little bit of context. Um, there's this guy named, named Paul. He was known as the Apostle Paul. And he's traveling all around and he is on his second missionary journey. So he's on his second journey where he's traveling all around and he's passing through Athens, not like the UGA Athens, but Athens, Greece. And he's pa passing through Athens, Greece and he starts to see some things that are disturbing to him. Like he's walking by and he's seeing these people that are worshiping these altars these things that are man-made, these things that are idols, and they're bowing down, they're singing praises, they are worshiping these things. And so Paul gets to a point where he's like, man, this is really bothering me. So he starts talking to some people about it. 
And eventually he, he has conversation with these people who are kind of important. And these people are like, hey, we would love to invite you to come speak to our people at, at this thing called the Areopagus. I think I'm saying that right. And the Areopagus is, is basically what was representing the governing body of that time in Greece, in Athens. And so this is where we pick it up in Acts chapter 17. Check this out, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. So, so Paul isn't like mocking them here. He's not trying to be sarcastic. He's just stating a fact. He's like, hey, people in Athens, I see that in every way, like you're very religious. Like I can tell that you, you know, you're wanting to worship, you, you're naturals at worshiping. Like this is what you were created and designed to do. And, and of course he, he didn't agree with what, you know, the way they were worshiping, but he's like, I can see that you're, you're natural worshipers. And he keeps going, verse 24. 23, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Keep going. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So Paul gets to this point and he's like, I was walking around and I was looking at some of the things that you were worshiping, some altars that you have built as idols of your worship. And I got to this one and I noticed that it had an inscription on it to an unknown God, meaning that they didn't even know who they were worshiping. He says, you were ignorant of the very thing that you were worshiping. And the reason they created this idol and the reason they labeled it to an unknown God was because just in case they like missed out on one, like all these idols were representing Greek gods and goddesses. So they're like, let's just put one that says to an unknown God. So then if like whatever we need, we don't even really know what we're asking for, but it can be any of them. Like, have you ever heard of like a catch-all store before? For me, this is Target. Like you go into Target and like, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you need, but you're just like, they have it all. That's kind of what this idol was. Like it was a catch-all altar, if you will, catch-all idol where they could just come and they could worship this idol and basically it could represent whatever God they were looking to get a blessing from. And so Paul's like, you're, you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And tonight, if we could just get real for a moment, I think that Paul might wanna challenge us in the very same way that he's about to challenge these people in Athens, where he's saying, hey, worship is a big deal. And all of you are naturals at worship. Like you're all worshiping something. But he, I think he wants to take it a step further and say, is what you're worshiping really worthy of it? Do you even really know what it is that you're worshiping? And I get that some of you are like, okay, man, like I hear you, but I'm not bowing down to like any idols. Like I'm not going back to my apartment tonight and like building an altar and getting down and you know, singing song. I'm not doing that. Like that's probably the case for pretty much all of you in the room. I get that. And maybe you're like, I don't even, like idols just seem so extreme, so intense. But I just wanna ask you a few clarifying questions and maybe this will help you a little bit in thinking through, are there potential things that could become idols in your life that maybe you're worshiping without even knowing it? So here's just a few questions for you to think about. What consumes your thoughts? What is it in a given day that, that generally consumes your thoughts? What, what gives you your identity? Like, what is it, what thing or person, if you were to lose it, you would be like, I don't even know who I am now. Like, I feel like I've lost my entire identity. What takes up your time, your energy, and your attention? Like in a given normal day, what is it that, that usually takes up most of your time most of your energy and most of your focus or attention. And last, what is it that you live for? What do you live for? Like, like what gets you pumped up? What gets you really, really 
excited in life? And I think this is important to think about these questions and to really think about them because I think your answers to, to these questions could possibly indicate something in your life that has the potential to become an idol or maybe one that already is. Something that you might be worshiping without even knowing it. And I just wanna ask you, whatever your answer was to these questions, is it something that's worthy of your worship? Is it worthy of it? I have this bookshelf up here tonight, kind of as a a prop. Um, There's a few things on here that I feel like um, have at times or even still today have the potential to become idols in my life. So maybe you can relate. The first thing um, is this basketball. And this for me represents sports. Like I love sports. I love to play sports. I love to watch sports. Sports are a great thing. I, I think it's awesome. But I know that at times in my life, like I can spend all my time, all my focus, all my attention around sports. Like it can become to the point to where like sports can be an idol for me in my life if I'm not careful with it. Like to where it's affecting my relationships, to where it's, it's changing me, to where it's, it's literally becoming my identity. It's all I think about, it's all I talk about. Another one is, is this microphone right here. See, I'm a, I'm a pastor and I speak a lot. And so this is my job, like this is what I do. And so if I'm not careful, I know that at times, like I can allow what I do to, to, to dictate who I am. And I can think, man, if I give like a, a good talk, then that, that gives me my worth. Like if I'm not, you know, if I don't give a good talk, then like I don't really have much value. And it's easy for this, for what I do to become an idol for me in my life. And maybe it is for you too. Maybe it's really, really tempting for you to take whatever it is that you do, whatever you feel like God's called you to and to make that an idol in your life. Third, maybe you're not with me yet. I feel like a lot of you will be now. This thing right here, come on. Like for so many of us, I mean, let's just think about it. I know I'm not alone in this. You wake up in the mornings, okay? I'm gonna walk you through the first 10 minutes of my day, just about every day. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, yeah, yeah, my cell phone's my alarm clock. Boom, it goes off. I click snooze about 18 times, no joke. (laughs) Then eventually I get it and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna turn the alarm off. Trying to open my eyes, but like, you know, they're, uh, I don't know, but what am I doing? I'm scrolling through stories. And I'm like, oh, that's bright. That is so bright, but wow, I gotta get through these stories, you know? And then I'm like, oh man, I gotta check my email. I I can't see yet, but I gotta check my email, you know? And, And then I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, now I gotta go, I gotta go. Like my day's gotta get started. And I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I have a feeling a lot of you in the room can relate to that. Where this right here, your cell phone, has become an idol for you in your life. Where this consumes you. Like sometimes for me, if I don't have my cell phone on me, like I literally feel anxiety coming upon me. Like I'm like, oh goodness. Like I've had times, I'm just being completely transparent with you. I've had times where I don't have my cell phone in my pocket but I could like swear on the fact that I felt it vibrate. I'm like, I I felt it ring. Well, I know I don't have it, but like I felt it. Like, I I don't know if it's a sixth sense or what, but I think what it is, is it's when you really just cut to the chase, it's an addiction. Like it's, it's real, it's real. And I think if Paul were here tonight, he would say, hey, for some of you, like this is like your altar, this is your idol. That, that more or less you worship. Maybe it's, it's yourself. Like you look in the mirror. This is my wife's mirror, by the way. I don't know how this thing works, but you look in the mirror. 
I think it like magnifies things. Whoa, it does. Um, so you look in the mirror though, and like, it's you. Maybe it's the gym. Like you're, you're at the gym a lot. And like, you're like, man, I'm just, I care about my fitness. But it's gotten to a point where it's become like an obsession. It's become an idol for you. Or last, maybe it's, it's money. Like everything in your life is for success. And just like, you know, what can I do to, 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 to get rich and to make money? And look, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad in and of themselves. Like, I think it's good to pursue success. I don't think it's bad to, to make money. I think it's good to care about what you do. I think it's, it's, it's great to love sports. It's great to, to care about yourself and to wanna take care of your body. And I think your cell phone can be a great thing. Like it can help you connect with people. You can use your voice for good. But what I am saying is a good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes the foundational thing. A good thing can quickly become a bad thing when it becomes the foundational thing. So again, is what you're worshiping, is it worthy of it? And at this point now, Paul's audience was leaning in. Like Paul's audience was feeling maybe the same way you should be feeling, where they're like, okay, then, then what is it that we should be worshiping? Like I'm with you and they're leaning in. So this is what Paul says to them. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's like, hey, I just wanna tell you that the God who made the world and everything in it, like he doesn't live in temples made by human hands. No, he's so much bigger than that. Our God can't be confined to an item that can fit on a shelf. He is so much bigger than that. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he, gives, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He said, God gives you life. He gives you breath and he can meet your every need. Keep going. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So he says, hey, you need to understand that God is really, really big. Like that's the point Paul is trying to get across here is that God is so big, he can't be confined to a bookshelf. He's so much bigger than that. In fact, I looked up some stats this week and I just wanna read these to you. Check this out, some stats on the human body. Did you know that one human brain cell can hold five times as much info as the encyclopedia. The human brain has 10 billion gigabytes of memory. That's equivalent to 78,125,000 iPhones. Crazy, God, God did that. If a human being's DNA were uncoiled, it would stretch 10 billion miles. That's the distance from earth to Pluto and back again. God did that. Nerve impulses to and from the brain travel as fast as 170 miles per hour. God did that. There are over 75 trillion cells in our body that can replace themselves. Over 75 trillion cells that can replace themselves. That's, that's incredible. God did that. Just a few stats on the earth. Did you know that the earth travels 67,000 miles per hour around the sun? So right now you don't feel it, but like we are moving at an unthinkable speed around the sun right now as we sit here. The sun is just one of at least 100 billion stars just in the Milky Way galaxy alone. And they estimate that there are over 100 billion other galaxies. And that's just an estimation. There's probably so much more that we don't even know about. And then last, if gravity were weaker or stronger by one-tenth to the 40th power, life-sustaining stars like the sun couldn't even exist. How crazy is that? One-tenth to the 48th power? That's this number right here. If gravity were weaker or stronger by this amount, 
the sun wouldn't exist. God did that. Our God is really, really, really big. And you need to know that tonight. Maybe if there's nothing else you hear me say, you need to know that God is big enough tonight to, to handle whatever it is that you're going through. Like, I don't know what you're up against tonight, but I know in a room this size that there's all different stories, all different things that you're experiencing. Some of you are going through awesome times right now. Others of you, man, like it's, it's hit the rocks. Like you're struggling. God's big enough. He's big enough to handle that. In fact, Paul continues on as we round this out. He said, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. He said, God did this. He wanted to show how big he is so that we could seek him, reach out to him and possibly even find him. For in him, we live and move and have our being. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. As we finish it, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. So he says, do you understand? Like you're made in the image of God. Okay, God uniquely created you. The Bible says that he knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. Like you're made in his image. No one person is like, there's only one you. And he says, in the past, like some people have been ignorant of who God is, but then I sent Jesus. So now like there's, there's no excuse. Jesus is the model. He's the example for who God is, for what his character is like. And he says, now he's calling people everywhere to repent. To repent means to change your mind, to, to go in a new direction. And maybe tonight there's some of you in the room that you need to change your mind. You need to have a real honest conversation tonight what am I worshiping? If I'm a natural at worship, and if worship impacts the way that I live, what is it that I worship? Is what you're worshiping worthy of it? See, worship is a response to who God is and what he has done. It's a response to who he is and what he's done. And maybe you're in the room tonight, and you're like, well, that's great, I don't know what he's done. I don't wanna assume that everyone in the room grew up in church and that you all have heard the good news of what we're talking about tonight. But we believe that there's a God that loves you so much that he sent his one and only son named Jesus. And he came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sin, paid the debt that you could never pay so that you could have hope, so that you could have a life beyond this life. And he's worthy of our worship. So I'm gonna ask you again one last time tonight. Is what you worship worthy of it? If what you worship has an expiration date, then it's not worthy of it. If what you worship hinders your relationships with other people, then it's not worthy of it. If what you worship is temporary, then it's not worthy of it. If what you worship elevates you above others, then it's not worthy of it. If what you worship causes you to compromise your integrity, then it's not worthy of it. I was thinking back recently, it was about eight months ago, and I really wanted a pair of Beats, Beats Solo 3s, um, wireless to be exact. And um, so I did what any guy does, I tried to find a really good deal. And um, I went to Craigslist. You're like, that's your first mistake. Why would you buy electronics on Craigslist? I don't know, okay, I was young, I was, I was, I was immature, okay? It was eight months ago. And so... <laughs> But I go and there's this one guy on there who had Beats Solo 3 wireless for $100. And they're normally 300. 
and he had pictures and they looked legit. And his post was well-written with no typos. And I'm like, dude, let's meet up. So I met him at the Wells Fargo right next to Buckhead Church. And we met up and I got there and I like had a list of questions for him trying to see if he was legit. And every answer that he was giving was like passing the test. And so I was like, all right, cool. I don't understand why you're doing this, but here's a hundred dollars. He gives me the beats. They're like wrapped in a legit box with you know plastic on them. And I go back to my car and I'm sitting in my car and something came over me. I'm like, maybe you should just open the box to make sure that like the beats are in there and that they're legit and that they work. So I sit down and I start to open the box. I'm ripping them off and I'm getting this weird feeling as I'm opening the box. Like it just doesn't feel quality, has a weird smell. And I take the beats out and they, they look like beats, but like they're not syncing up. Like the Bluetooth isn't coming on. So I'm like, oh no, this isn't good. So luckily the guy is still sitting in his car. And so I walk over to him and I'm like, excuse me, sir, like knock on his window. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, what's up, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, I'm not saying these are fake. Like, you know, I don't know what's about to happen. I'm like, I'm not saying these things are fake, but um, they're not working for me. Do you think you could help me out? So he's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he starts like making phone calls and he's scrambling. And a few minutes later, like, he's like, you know what? Um, uh, here, just take your money back. And, I, and he, he peels out. Like he, he knew that I had caught him in a scam. And so a couple months later, I went to the store. <laughs> I paid $300 and I bought some legit Beat Solo 3s. Come on now, chrome black is the color. They're legit. In fact, I'm probably talking a lot louder now because I like, can't hear what I'm saying because they're noise canceling, okay? I'm gonna take them off. But here's what I learned. Is that I think a lot of you, especially when you're in college, you settle for less. You settle. You settle for the fake pair of beats and you put those on and you're like, okay, these sound, it sounds good. This sounds legit. And for a moment, like it feels right. And you start worshiping this thing or this person. But then at the end of the day, you're like, ah, something's missing. Something's missing. I don't know what it is. What it is, is you're worshiping something that you weren't created to worship. You're a natural when it comes to worship, but you're not worshiping the thing that you were naturally created to worship. And so here's my challenge to you tonight. Would you be willing to at least consider to go on a journey? I know we're all at different spots in the journey. Some of you, you have so many questions. You have so many doubts. I love that you're here. The living room is a place where you belong before you believe, or even if you never do. Even if you never get to the point where you believe, it's still a place where you still belong. Keep coming. Others of you, you're a little bit further along, and then some of you are even further along. Wherever you're at on the journey, I wanna challenge you tonight. Would you be willing just to say, what would it look like for me to take a step and to maybe put on what's true? To, to put away the fake, put away the counterfeit, and to realize, no, I've been settling for less, but I'm not gonna settle for less when I've been made for more. Like, I wanna lean in. I, like, I, I know that I'm, I'm naturally wired to worship. There's something inside all of us where we want to worship, we wanna rejoice. And I want you to know tonight that there's a person named Jesus who is worthy of our worship. He's the only one who is. And he has promises that are for you, promises we read all throughout the scriptures promises to give you peace in the midst of your circumstances, promises to give you a hope for your future, promises to give you freedom, promises to give you joy, promises to give you life, and not only life, but life to the full, and promises to ultimately give you victory over your sin. 
And tonight, his promise still stands. His promise stands for you. And I don't know who you are in the room. I don't know which of you are trying right now to disqualify yourself from his promise. No, it's for you. And so we're gonna close tonight with the song that I love. And it's a song that has honestly been messing me up for the past couple months in a great way. But it's a song that says his promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. I realize that when I look back on my life and when I recognize God's faithfulness, it increases my faith. When I see and remind myself that, hey, he's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again, my faith increases. And it says his promise still stands. And then the main line just says this, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe that I'll see you do it again. So tonight, here's my my challenge to you as we close in these last few minutes that we have together. Would you be willing, whatever you're up against, I don't know what it is, but would you be willing to put that thing in front of you in these next few minutes and to say, no, his promise still stands. I've seen him move, move the mountains, and I believe that he's gonna do it again in my life. And tonight, would you just be willing just just to give it a moment, not worry about the person on your right or your left or the person that's behind you. Would you be willing, whatever way you feel led to, just to worship tonight? I'm not saying that you have to raise your hands, but man, some of you, that is what you need to do. For others of you, you just really need to focus and you need to lean into the lyrics tonight and let these wash over you. Because I believe that in these last few minutes tonight, for some of you, God wants to say loud and clear, tune in, tune in. I wanna move mountains in your life. I wanna do it again. He's the one that is worthy of our worship. Let me pray for us tonight. Father God, you are the only one who is worthy of our worship. And that's true, God. All of us, we we can look in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of areas, God, in a lot of things, in a lot of people, we can try for a minute to worship that, but eventually it's gonna leave us empty. And God, all of us are naturals when it comes to worshiping. And I just pray tonight that we'd be bold enough, courageous enough to ask ourselves the question, is what we're worshiping worthy of it? And God, I believe that if we really go on a journey of of seeking to, to find the answer, the true answer to that question, we'll come to a spot where all we see is you. Because you created us, Lord. And you designed us to worship. So God, I pray that in these final few moments of this night that we can bring to you whatever is going on in our lives and that we can surrender that to you, realizing that there is power in worship. It's in your mighty, mighty name that we pray tonight, Lord. Amen.